So, like I say, we're, we're starting a new series. It's a, a new year, uh, 2019, and it's a good opportunity to, to reflect once again on, on who we are, but to take time doing it. Uh, like I say, we're going to do this over 10 weeks. Um, but to look at who are we, we might want to think about as individuals, but also as a community. <coughs> what does it mean to be part of Saltash Baptist Church? What makes us who we are. Now I want to say the very beginning of this, that in all we say, in all we do, we first and foremost are Christ-centered. We are Christocentric, if you know, Christ-centered. It means that everything we are, our very being, our very existence, has to be centered around Christ. And everything we talk about in these next 10 weeks, uh, I'm not going to not mention Christ, but I don't want people to come back and say, we're Christocentric, we're Christocentric. But Christ is at the center of Sometimes things. 
This word prophetic means something. We, we rap a lot. Uh, we don't see it properly. We think of it just as something that someone says something for the future. A prophet is almost like a foreteller of what's going to happen. Now that's true in a reality. There's an aspect of that. But to be a prophetic voice almost speak, also means to speak into the here and now. It needs to be God's spokesperson, God's voice piece to the society, to the world around, here and now. And as we look through the Bible at prophetic uh, voices, at people who speak prophetically, they are not just saying God will do this, but they are also saying God is. God is doing this. And if you look at them, nine times out of ten, they are not a popular voice. They are a voice that people reject, that people belittle, that people despise. They're giving a meta-narrative. They're showing the bigger picture of what God is doing. And in our passage that Ollie read to us today, what we see is Isaiah prophesying to the Israelites. And they've sinned against God. And they've been in exile. But this part of Isaiah is Isaiah speaking to Israel and saying, Do not think that God has not forgotten you. God repeatedly in this passage is saying, I want to call out to my people. Come back. Come. Come and be part of the family. Come and be part of the community of who we are and what we're doing. If you actually look through the passages and through the verses, it's almost on some of the verses that the first words actually um, give a, a kind of almost blur of what the rest of the verses are about. We won't go through it now. But look at them when you get back. Because first in Isaiah's petition on behalf of God to the people of Israel, there's an invitation <coughs> to come. Come. It's not the word of to you, but come. Come and see what God is doing. There's the note to pay attention. To listen. To pay attention to see what's going on around. How many times have people driven in cars? And you're driving along and you reflect on why go, I can't remember driving in cars so and so. It's just we just go into autopilot. And sometimes in our Christian life we do the same, we go into autopilot. But the, prof the prophet said, pay attention, look at what's going on around. Seek God. In the passage it tells us to seek God. Do you know what? I think sometimes in churches we get confused like that. We kind of think, well, what's God doing in the church? No. What's God doing in the community around? What's God doing in our street, in our neighborhood? And that's where God calls us to go and to be. The passage reminds us, as we look in here, that it talks about the wicked. That actually, this is a message for all. Not just for the goody-two-shoes. Not just for those of you who are sat in the pews or chairs this Sunday. This is a message for everyone. This is a message for your neighbor. For the person who really wound you up this week. For the person you can't stand. For those people at the school gate who like to natter as well. So I never realised about school gate politics until I could get children. Nah, 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 so and so, so and so. 
This message is for those people. This message is for those who oppress others, and it is also for the oppressed. Because the passage reminds us that God's plans are not our plans to care for them. And that God's promise in this passage, I'm just going through the verses again, God's promise is steadfast and everlasting. It ends with that promise that it is everlasting. <coughs> and the fact that this is for all of creation. We see that the field, remember that song there, the field does the thing, and clap their hands, so you go out with joy. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Okay, I'm just Because even that song, it says you shall go out with joy and be there forth with peace. All of creation shall bow and worship. That's a prophetic that talks about the future but also how now. What does it mean for creation now to bow in worship to its creator? That was for all of the Israelites, those messages that, that uh, Isaiah gave to the Israelites. But I wonder, what does it mean for us now to be prophetic? If I was to go through that list again, what does it mean for us to what does it mean in our lives for us to pay attention to what God is doing around us? For us to seek God? What does it mean for us to proclaim that this message is for all? You know, this last week, I've got confused because there's been so many stabbings, haven't there? You can't think one stabbing is the same and then you found out it's another, it's a different one altogether. What does it mean that this message, this prophetic message of love and hope is for both those who have been affected by those who have committed the evil atrocities, as well as those who have done them themselves. What does it mean for us that God's plans are not our plans? What does that mean? What does it look like? Does it mean we should just abandon all hope and, and just sit back and go, well, God, come on and show us what to do? But it means that we have to still seek what God is doing. But as I said at the beginning of most church meetings, let's not come with our own preconceived ideas of what we think is saying. What we think God is saying. Because sometimes when we think what God is saying, suddenly God can say something very different, but we need to be open and receptive to hear the voices of God through others, directly, through song, through scripture, through the Bible. What does it mean for us that we know with confidence that God's promise is everlasting? <coughs> What does it mean for us to tell that to the world that we're around? That this is for all creation. Now I'm afraid one thing I haven't said is that over these ten weeks, there is some homework for you to do. Which is really sorry. Because at the beginning of each week, as we've done now, we're going to think about what does it mean to be a prophetic community? What does that look like? And then next week, we're going to say, so what does that mean for us? What are we going to do about it? Maybe this week, we could be thinking, and, and I want you to come back, and I want you to even tell me on Sunday, or hand me bits of paper, email me, text me, Facebook me, Twitter me, you can get hold of me in a hundred different ways. What do we need to speak in? What is going on around in our community that God is saying 
love that you have. But what is it we need to speak into? How? How do you speak into that situation? Now we can go back and civilize I went and stood in front of the people and proclaimed it. Great. But I'm not sure God is calling us to do that anymore. All on the same way. In Isaiah's time, it might may surprise you there was no mass communication. If you wanted a message, you either wrote a letter and hoped that the messenger got it there, or you went to the set. But today, how many ways can we communicate with people? Yes, voice. Written letters. Do people get written letters anymore? Some do, but it's a dying art, isn't it? Phone calls. Facebook. Twitter. Instagram. You know, this week I've been having conversations with people in text, on the phone, in face. I don't think I've had a written letter. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I communicate with people in all these different ways. How is God telling us to speak into situations that people are going to listen, that people are going to hear? <coughs> and the important thing is what hope can we offer in those situations? Because I... I think if you look through scripture, that a lot of the time, that when people speak into situations, very rarely, now Paul is a bit of an exception in the New Testament, but very rarely do they start with pointing out how wicked and how wrong they are. They start with God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. You know, how do we speak to this world? of God's love, grace, and mercy. It says, actually, we don't agree with this. But we believe in the God who is love. We believe in the God who is mercy. We believe in the God who is grace. And actually, in the situation you find yourself in now, we believe in a God who can bring you out of that and bring you hope. How do we do that? You know, we are Christians, first and foremost. But as we worship in this church, we have a Baptistic Understanding, yes, baptistic is a word. It's a way of doing church. It's not a way of believing something different from other churches. It's a way of doing things. And one of the, the joys of being baptistic or Baptist church is that actually, actually, I'm going to rephrase that. One of the joys and the difficulties of being Baptist is that sometimes we can be our own little islands. We have no central voice that speaks on behalf of Baptists worldwide. You know, when in other denominations people speak, they speak on behalf of the others in that denomination. We don't have that. Each church is under liberty by the Holy Spirit to discern what God is calling of them. Now there are some fundamentals to the Baptist principle, of de declaration of principles, which I won't ask the Baptist minister to recite. But it has some core values that Jesus Christ is Lord that the resurrection happened, that, that the Holy Spirit moves and lives with us today. They are core, they are fundamental. But the reason I say this is because if we have no voice, no, no, we don't have someone else on our behalf to speak into those situations, guess what? It's our job. It's us. It's not me. Don't think that Tim is going to speak on behalf of so much Baptist church. We each one of us are called to be prophetic, to speak into the situations that we find around us, <coughs> to be the voice piece of 
So my challenge this week, and it's a bit of an introduction, I know, and, and, uh, and as time goes on, you'll success a bit more, but but I want you to really think about what is God calling us to speak into? What are the situations, the challenges that are around us that we need to speak in love into? What are they? How are we going to do this? Because the words of Isaiah ring true now, but the ways we might think of even as we sit here now might not be God's words. So it's about opening our eyes, looking around us, seeing what God is doing and what God is saying. But God's promise is the same. It's everlasting. It's a promise that does not fade, that does not diminish. And so we can have confidence that if we believe God is calling us to do something, that God is actually there with us. Listen and look. How can we be prophetic? Not Yeah. Uh-huh. 